1: I guess this is the point where I come in, right? Well, good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. Welcome to our Fun Fest here on Sunday mornings. We try to bring you interesting guests. And we've got a doozy of a show both hours this morning. Very pleased to introduce the guest who's joining us in hour one of our program. He is uh, someone who... Has a lot to share with us, and I think you're going to find our discussion to be a fascinating one. Mark Graben is joining us. Mark is um, author of a publication entitled Measures of Success, React Less, Lead Better, Improve More. Now, there's an interesting idea. He has a website at Mark Graben. That's all as one word, and his last name is spelled dot com. Mark, first of all, good morning. Welcome to our program on The Fan.
2: Bob, good morning. Thanks for having me here.
1: It's uh, nice to have you uh, join us today. There's so many different areas where I want to go in discussion, but I mentioned in introducing you the book, um, let's talk a little bit about that, because the title mm-hmm. does intrigue me, and actually, I'll say this because um, I've seen the, the cover of, of this book, and you have an interesting image there. Why that title?
2: Well, I think well the image of the on the cover shows a roller coaster, and you know different organizations I've worked for and worked with during my career have measures. They're trying to become more successful as an organization. They're trying to improve quality. I work with a lot of healthcare organizations. They're trying to. Improve patient satisfaction. They're trying to reduce cost, which might might sound surprising, but yeah, they they are working on that. And um, you know, so it's it's an important question of what do we measure. And there's an expression um, that that gets thrown around a lot: um, what gets measured gets managed. And I think that's that's true to some extent. But most organizations focus a lot on deciding and arguing, you know, what to measure. And they don't talk about how to manage that measure as, as much as they could. And that's really what the book is about. And sort of trying to get people off of you know the organizational swings of roller coaster emotion where a number goes up, we get excited, the number goes down, we get upset, and, and we just get stuck in the cycle where we're just reacting and explaining a number instead of actually trying to improve results. And so that's what my book is trying to help people with.
1: Alright, you just used an interesting phrase in talking about the idea of being reactive. Mm-hmm. Very often that that's the case. Why is that such a bad idea?
2: Well, the problem occurs when we're reacting to something that's a, a relatively small change in a measure they, you know there is a time and a place to react if there's a really big change or if there's a sustained change over time well, let's say we step on the scale every morning and you know if your weight is stable generally speaking you, you're not trying to lose weight you're not gaining weight your weight is going to naturally fluctuate a little bit every day you might be up a pound you might be down a pound and a half and there's really no reason for that. It's just fluctuation, or there, there's a term used by some statisticians to say, well, that's just noise in a measure. And you learn, you know, you can learn to just not get too wound up or too excited or too upset about small ups and downs in an organization. You know, there's a, a hospital health system I'm working with right now. Where they, one of their goals is to improve patient satisfaction. That's an important goal. They can measure that. They can frame success in trying to make patient satisfaction better. But what the, the the kind of the trap they fall into, which I think is pretty common behavior, is one month the patient satisfaction scores are down two points, and they somebody gets upset. People are asked to explain it. They go running around and digging deeper into the data and trying to figure out what's happening. And then you come back the next month and the score's up four points. And they feel like, oh, all right, well, good, we fixed that. And it just creates a lot of chaos and wasted time looking for answers to small changes.
1: Well, part of the move or movement where people seem to get hung up on the small stuff, I'm going to phrase it that way, mm-hmm. uh, is that, to some extent, due to also, I guess some of it might be by nature, but we're also in an age where there's just so much information mm-hmm. constantly coming at us. It's kind of hard to ignore that, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, I'm not an expert in, you know, say, evolutionary science, but there must be some evolutionary reason why we're wired um, to react. You know, there must be a survival instinct there. If something happens, react. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a time and a place, you know, to, especially in an organization, you know, the, the, where we're in a meeting, it's not a life or death situation, we can take a breath and kind of step back and look at a number and, and ask basically, um, is this change in, in the number, is it just noise or is it a signal that says that the number has actually changed in an unusually large way or has that number shifted? Over time, so we can look for different reasons to react, and instead of reacting to everything, kind of better pick and choose what and when we react to. Um, you know, I give an example. There, there was a headline um, in in New York the other day. The headline screams: um, "City school test scores inch up." Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, that sounds good. Test scores are up, and it says, you know, the. Uh, percent of kids who passed the state math exam in the city um, was at 46 percent and that was a three percent increase from last year. And the article says, well, they're now inching closer to the goal of 50 percent. I'm like, Well, all we have is two data points. Mm-hmm. Right? It went from 43 to 46. It could be inching closer or maybe it's just fluctuating around a number. I would hate to see the scores go down next year, but it's hard to predict what what's going to happen. And it's hard to tell, is a three percentage point increase big enough to really react to? Is it big enough to try to explain? Is it big enough to, let's say, reward people for that? Uh, If it were to drop two points next year, same question. Is that a big enough jump down where you would try to explain it or or maybe, you know, punish or replace somebody? Um, Organizations deal with that question all the time.
1: Mm. You know, I guess it is at times a little um, kind of touchy in terms of trying to avoid reacting to every fluctuation because, as you said, things go up and they go down as it is. Um, this can be applied in so many different areas of our lives. You know, when somebodys you used the phrase a couple of moments ago but I want to explore for a little bit. A lot of people have goals, okay? Um, it could be something related to, you mentioned earlier, the idea of people stepping on a scale in the morning. A lot of people do that. And many people, especially this time of the year, have goals, okay? And they will celebrate if they hit their goal, and then some people will be completely <laughs> depressed and mad at themselves if they don't. What happens if we we pay too much attention to some of those distracting elements when we're trying to, to reach a goal?
2: Yeah, goals are important. Um, one thing that people react to in organizations is um, comparing their performance to a goal.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And... I, you know, I talked about the, the roller coaster effect of um, you know, reacting to the ups and downs. And if you look over time, let's say if you look at the last twelve days of your weight, or the last eighteen months of a patient satisfaction score, and you, you look at what's the average over that time, roughly half the data points are above average, and half the data points are below. If the number is just fluctuating, so reacting to something that's better than average might not be significant. The same thing happens when we look at goals. I I I visit organizations where their goal is pretty close to the average of their performance. And so now they have these cycles throughout the year. 6 or 7 months might be better than the goal and 5 or 6 might be worse than the goal. The number's just fluctuating and sometimes organizations, you know, will will color code these numbers green, is good green is better than our goal and red is bad and and they get caught in that same cycle of reaction and explanation and what happens is it it really just it it consumes time and it it distracts people from doing things that could actually improve that number over time so the the one hospital system i'm working with right now we're working with a team and they are doing a number of things differently they're not just at, you know this so they they're trying to improve patient satisfaction results. They're not just asking staff to smile more or to to work faster to reduce delays. They're doing real things that will improve patient satisfaction. So one of the things we're looking at as a measure of success, if you will, is making sure we improve that number enough so that we can say it's statistically significant. We we don't want to declare victory um, because let's say we get two months in a row that are above average. That could be um, that noise or fluctuation. We want to improve it enough so that we can feel confident that we've actually um, done better for the patients.
1: And a thought that I want you to explore, we're going to take a pause for um, sports update and some messages in a moment, but I want to explore this when we come back. This idea of how... Um in the case of businesses, and you know this may apply as well with some of the um, hospitals and the like that you've um, working with and that you're alluding to too, how this works into the way in which customer service plays out uh, these days. Um, that'd be an interesting area to explore. I also want to mention the fact that for folks listening to our discussion today, you know Mark is sharing an awful lot with us and he's got more things to share as well. You want to join in our discussion, you can. Our phone number here at The Fan is 877-337-6666. You can join us at any time uh, during this chat. Uh, He is with us for our entire 6 o'clock hour this Sunday morning. His book is entitled Measures of Success, React Less, Lead Better, Improve More. And his website is markgrayban.com. This is Bob Salter. We are in a discussion with Mark Grayban in this first hour of our program this Sunday morning. Mark has uh, joined us. As I mentioned, he is the author of "Measures of Success: React Less, Lead Better, Improve More." Is the title of the book. His website: Mark Grayban. That's all as one word. Dot com. And he is uh, joining us. I mentioned you can join us in our discussion if you want to, 877-337-6666, our number here at the fan. Now, I put out this idea of, um, because I was sitting here and thinking about this, with um, companies, with organizations these days, there's a lot of focus on uh, customer service. And I'm wondering, is that being impacted by some of the things that you're talking about with how success is viewed, and how organizations and businesses are even thinking about this?
2: Yeah, I think so, and and you're right. This is more than just hospitals. Um, you know, if, if somebody is in the hospital, or if they have outpatient surgery, they're going to get a survey afterwards. Tell mm. us how we're doing. Rate the hospital. You, you're invited to give them a zero to 10 rating. And almost any business, it seems like, uh, that, that you go to, if you stay in a hotel, they send you a survey. If you make some sort of, you know, if you, uh, if you buy a car, they send you a survey. Um, it seems like anymore, I, uh, you buy tickets to a game in some city, and that team will send you emails. Rate your experience at the game. So we we get bombarded with surveys, and the, these these surveys they, they must go somewhere. The numbers get looked at, and they're averaged. And there's this real risk again. I think of um, leaders in these organizations overreacting to the ups and the downs. Um, and and again, you know, the, the, that's the subtitle of my book: Measures of Success. Um, react less, lead better, improve more, and. You know, my point in saying don't react to small changes in the numbers, it's not to say that you shouldn't try to improve. The customer satisfaction or patient satisfaction might be lower than you want it to be. But what the methodologies that, that I've learned and now that I'm using and teaching and writing about what these methodologies teach us, is that the answer to how would we improve patient satisfaction or customer satisfaction the answer to that question of how do we prove is not going to be found in asking why was the number worse last month or why was the number better this month to really improve your business means understanding the needs of your customers and it really means digging deep in a more thoughtful and systematic way instead of just being on that reactive roller coaster ride.
1: Well, then, following up on what you just said, how do we then know if something really is worthwhile paying attention mm-hmm. to and even when a trend might be something that's troubling or worrisome?
2: Yeah. Well, there's a couple methods we can use. Um, I think, for one, visualizing the data over time. Drawing a chart, you know, you can use um, a spreadsheet, and this might not sound real glamorous, but um, a lot of organizations just look at lists of numbers. It's like looking at the stats on the back of a baseball card. Mm -hmm. You see a big list of numbers, and um, you you can apply these ideas to sports statistics, too, which is fun. Um, But if, if you take, instead of looking at numbers, actually just draw a chart and see how that line and those data points are moving over time. Visually, you can really tell, huh, it looks like it's just fluctuating, or it looks like it was fluctuating, and now it's taken a big jump up or down. But now the question of what's a big jump or what, what's a signal in the, in the statistic or the number you're looking at, uh, there's a little bit of math involved of, of doing some relatively simple calculations. Um, I, I've outlined this in... The book to do a little bit of math so that you can tell if a move in the number is unusual or not. So, like, we can look at home runs in Major League Baseball. I think mean, you know, anybody following baseball knows that teams are on pace, the Yankees and, and Major League Baseball in general, and the, the Mets, too. Um, they're, they're all collectively hitting the most home runs ever. Now, saying something is the most Ever or the lowest ever, but in this case, it really is because if you chart home runs per season, and I'm looking at a chart of this right now, going back to 1994, even with the Mark mcguire Sammy Sosa error the number of home era, um, the number of home runs in Major League Baseball was pretty much fluctuating around an average, and then starting in about 2006, there was actually a drop down where compared to the the baseline years you had eight consecutive years of below average number of home runs so that's one of the the rules that we're looking for it's not just fluctuating but having eight consecutive below average years is one of these um, statistical signals and then 2014 was uh, particularly low and, and when we do the calculations around a metric whether it's your weight or customer service scores or the number of home runs per game we can calculate um, you can think of them as guardrails or what are called um, lower and upper limits around the metric if the number goes above that upper limit or below that lower limit now that's a time to react mm-hmm. and then after 2014 in major league baseball uh, the number of home runs started going up, where 2017 was actually a year a year above that calculated upper limit. 2018, the number of home runs dropped a little bit. And now 2019 is, again, another signal. It's, it's again, not only the highest ever, but the reason I would react and try to explain, and Major League Baseball has done this, Um, The the reason I would try to figure out why that number is up is because it really is a statistical signal that something is different in the game.
1: You know, you used the term visualization or visuals before, and I know visuals um, you regard as being very key to Mm -hmm. the way of thinking, which is looking at the big picture. Is that something that's easy for people to grasp?
2: It, it's it's funny. It's 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 easy to grasp once you show them um, that this this method of of just drawing a chart and calculating an average and calculating some limits and visually laying out with a couple simple rules, it it, it becomes obvious in hindsight. But this is generally not a method that's taught to people in uh, business schools. It's generally not taught um, in management classes within an organization. I'm fortunate that I learned methods like these um, when I was an engineer. And so I had some exposure to that, and I had some exposure to people who were using these methods more in the realm of management, um, not just engineering. And so, you know, when I I, I think of somebody I taught in a class um, a couple of years ago, she went back to the health system she worked for in Florida and sort of tried introducing some of these methods, and, and people weren't interested because they thought the way they were managing was fine. They, they would put one or two data points up on the wall, and they would color code it red or green, and they would react. And she had trouble getting their interest, but then she decided, well, instead of asking for permission, I'm going to just create some of these charts in, the, in this format from my book. It's a, a method um, called process behavior charts. She said, I'm going to just start making charts, and I'm going to start putting them up. And if I have to ask for forgiveness, I will. Um, but once you put that out in front of people, they realize, wow, okay, you actually can see a lot more. Um, you, you can make better decisions about performance. And, and again, here, here's you know, the, the, the key thing. When you react less and you lead better, you're not asking people to explain every up and down. You're not wasting their time that way. When you react less and you lead better, you can improve more.
1: Mm. You know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, and this is no insult to you, this isn't rocket science, okay? But, no, but, not at but, all. <laughs> but it's, it, it, it's a, a matter that, and the part of the reason I asked that question before is I could imagine initially there could be some, uh, you know, resistance perhaps mm-hmm. to that kind of an approach of, of thinking. How do you get people well, past that?
2: Yeah, I mean, that happens. Um, there, there's resistance to new methods. People mm-hmm. are afraid it'll be too difficult, which, uh, like you said, um, the, the math involved in calculating an average and calculating the limits on a chart, it, it's elementary school arithmetic. It's not calculus. It's not rocket science. And that's a good thing. Um, so, yeah, people are, people are sometimes stuck in habits of the way they've always managed, I think there are you know the dynamics where it feels good um, to react, and if someone has become an executive in an organization, they may have risen through the ranks because they reacted to things all the time, whether it was helping or not. Um, so it, it can be challenging to ask people uh, to consider a, a new way of doing things. Let, let's try it. Let's create a chart and let people and you know uh, try to draw their own conclusion about whether this method is. Um, better and if it helps them over time, resistance to change is uh, a challenge that leaders are always trying to work through in an organization. Um, the, the hospital system I've been working with right now, there there were changes that were proposed by nurses and other um, hospital staff and some of their coworkers were at first sort of resistant to the idea, and it's, that's a natural reaction. So um, you know we kind of work. Work with people and, and help them get through that resistance. Um, whether that's resistance to adopting, um, you know, this process behavior chart methodology. I mean, within Major League Baseball, somebody might come into a team and say, "Well, we we really need to get deeper into analytics." There might be resistance to change about something like that too. A new pitching coach coming in and asking a pitcher to change the grip on their fastball, they might face resistance to change. So even even though they might be technically correct. Um, When we give advice to others, we we have to expect that um, you know it's again it's natural that people will show resistance, but we can work with them instead of um, you know giving up on them because they were being resistant.
1: Well, I guess it's part of um, the way in which you know the the team concept in the business world kind of exploded in that period of time back in I guess it was the 1990s, late 80s. -hmm. Um, This is kind of an adaptation of the growth of that whole movement, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the methods that I write about in Measures of Success, you know, the me- methods I learned 25 years ago, mm-hmm. um, these are methods that have been around um, for, for making charts like this. You know, it's been around for about 75 years since some statisticians helped figure this out. Um, so it's, it's, it's something that, um, you know, it, it, and I, I think the fact that it's not, a brand new methodology, that's fine too. It's not rocket science. It's not brand new. Uh, it's been around for a while for good reason. And I, I think it's interesting to just try to find new applications um, to help open people's eyes to this. Because you're right, back to the team concept. Um, hospitals are doing a lot more of this, they are hiring people from other industries. I started my career in manufacturing, and I've been focused a lot on healthcare for about 14 years you know, to bring in ideas from other industries about how, to, how do teams work together to improve? How can leaders help people improve? So measures are important, but there's, there's more to it than that. There's the question of, well, how do we work together to be better at improving so we can get better results for our customers and, and for patients? How can we create a better workplace? Um, so, yeah, that, that team concept, if you will, is... Um, one way we help accomplish that.
1: Well, even introducing or or continuing to use that term team is a way of encouraging a certain collective approach to success, isn't it?
2: Yeah. I mean, if you look at healthcare, you have a team. I mean, it's, you you have all these specialists mm-hmm. i mean it's as as complex as um you know a, a college or pro football team you have all these specialists and they get training in their specialty and if you look at you know practices um you know groups of players they're they're learning technique the offensive linemen are learning different technique than the running backs and receivers and at some point they're all Learning individual skills, and in healthcare, you have a lot of this. You have doctors getting their own specific training, nurses getting their own training, housekeeping staff getting their own training. Now, at some point, they've got to come together and play as a team. And having all the, you know, they're, they're, I mean, look at teams in any sports of of having the most talent doesn't always translate to wins. Um, you've got to have. That team concept and, and figure out how do all the pieces fit together. Um, you know, surgeons and doctors, most of them are, are great people, but some of them get a reputation for being um, difficult. They might be, you know, the, the stereotypical diva wide receiver or diva quarterback um, who's just not liked by their teammates. And, um, you know, things like that unfortunately um, interfere with. Um, providing the best health care, so I think you know organizations that have leadership um, that, that helps encourage teamwork is is going to help drive um, more more improvement It's going to help us reach the goals that we're trying to achieve as an organization and and as individuals
1: Mark Greban is talking with us on our program on the fan this Sunday morning. Radio.com. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. We're in discussion with Mark Grayban on our program. He is the author of "Measures of Success: React Less, Lead Better, Improve More." That's the title of his book. Mark Grayban—that's G R A B A N. This is his last name, first name. Mark M A R K. All is one word. Dot com. And he's our guest this hour of our program. I mentioned too—you um, know—you want to join us in our discussion? You can. Uh, there's a lot of areas we've covered. We haven't even. Look toward the phones yet. 8773376666 is our number. One of the things that has intrigued me in reading and preparing for this discussion today, and also listening to you speak: I'm tending to gather you have a passion for baseball.
2: <laughs> I do. I grew up uh actually a, a Detroit Tigers fan. I grew up in the Detroit area if if you and the listeners won't hold that against me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and what period of time was that with the Tigers?
2: I was in elementary school when they won the World Series in 1984. So ah. that was a big moment for me. That team uh Sparky Anderson and Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker and Jack Morris and Kirk Gibson and Lance Parrish and that was that was a that was a great team.
1: Now, the reason I mentioned this is there's a couple of different things and different ways you work the discussion of some of the things that you're talking with us about today into talking about sports. You know, we're on WFAN, which was the country's first all-sports station, um, and a huge number of people are sports fans listen to this program as well on uh, Sunday mornings. One of the things that was very interesting is this look at Roger Maris's home runs per season. Yes. And looking at Mickey Mantle um, in terms of consistency by comparison, can you explain what you looked at with that?
2: Yeah, and this is something I'll I'll give credit to uh, a statistician, Donald Wheeler. Uh, He he wrote the foreword uh, for my book, Measures of Success. So in one of his books, he shows, you know, you you can take a look at um, number of home runs per season and look at it as a list of numbers, again, the way you might look at on a baseball card. And Roger Maris, of course, had his 61 home runs in 1961, um, playing, playing alongside Mickey Mantle. And if you take the number of home runs Roger Maris hit throughout his career from 1957 to 1968, uh, you can draw a process behavior chart, as we call it, look at the average, look at the limits of um, what you would expect his performance to be, and that year when he hit 61 was clearly an outlier. It was above, it was not only the most home runs he ever hit, of course it was the most home runs anyone had hit, in a season at that time, but it was a statistical signal. Something was different that year. Now that same year, uh, Mickey Mantle, um, how many did Mantle hit that year? He hit uh, 54, I think. But if you look at Mickey Mantle's performance, he never had a season that was a statistical outlier, Um, a year like Maris did that was above that upper limit. He did have a stretch of eight consecutive above-average seasons. Which is, you know which shows, not unsurprisingly, that was the peak of his career. and you see that with a lot of players. They, they have a couple of slow seasons, they're, they're getting up to speed, and then they have um, their prime, and then they decline. And you know Mickey Mantle, um, as he was getting older and had injuries, you know his last four years were, if you will, below average seasons, and, and maybe that's not surprising. But I think it's interesting if you look at different players over time. Uh, Brady Anderson, with the Orioles in 1996, had an outlier season when he hit 50 or 51 home runs. That was um, above this upper limit of what his typical performance would have been. Uh, Barry Bonds, when he hit 73, that number was an outlier. Uh, Wade Boggs hit um, 24 25 home runs in 1987 that was a statistical outlier. And when we see an outlier on a chart, whether it's the number of home runs or wins per season or you know a, a measure on the scale or in our workplace, when we see one of those outliers, then it's worth asking what was different. You know, People have their different theories about different players. Wade Boggs, I think the story was, he, just, he wanted to show people he could do it because he was criticized for not hitting enough home runs. So he did it for one season, and then he went back to um, hitting 8 or 10 home runs every year, I think, even when he was with the Yankees.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: With this book, what are you hoping the people who read the book are going to take away from it or learn
2: yeah well you know, I, I hope it's eye-opening and and part of the reason um, you know I was I was, I was driven to, to write the book was to try to expose these ideas and these methods to a new audience I, I was really fortunate um, to be exposed to these approaches the work of Don Wheeler and others you know, 25 years ago, and, and and I'll give thanks if my dad is listening. Um, I, I've learned a lot of this because my dad, he worked at General Motors, where he got exposed to a lot of these ideas. So I wanted to write a book that you know had some more uh, you know kind of you know, contemporary examples and examples from different industries. I've worked with um, software companies, um, organizations in different settings to show, try to open people's eyes. Here's something that I think will make your life. A lot easier um, to get off of that emotional roller coaster. I think when, when you ask people to kind of pause and reflect on it, um, they'll say, "Well, you, yeah, you're right. We do a lot of reacting, but things don't really seem to get better." Um, and, and and so I'm trying to you know sort of um, propose here. Here's something I feel fortunate to have learned. Here's something that will help um, free up time because you're not reacting to every up and down every more. You can kind of take a breath, take. Take a step back, work with a team, as we talked about, and um, work, work toward improving your measures and, and, and moving closer um, to, to success as, as you've defined it. So, um, like you said, passionate about baseball. Um, there's always a lot of numbers in baseball, so maybe it's not surprising that um, I've combined the interests. But, you know, you can look at statistics um, acro- across so many different sports, whether it's um, college football, attendance, college football playoff, TV ratings, um, a player, a basketball player's free throw shooting percentage uh, from season to season, to to answer these questions of is the number just fluctuating or has something really changed in a statistically meaningful way?
1: Mm. And when you're looking at this book, um, looking at feedback from people. I'm assuming you do get (laughs) feedback on this. What sort of things do people point to? Because, you know, you obviously, you know, you shared some things with us today. You cover some things that could be used, I guess, as kind of tools for people along the whole process here.
2: Yeah, well, you know, as as an author, we talk about customer satisfaction ratings. Um, I, I look at the online Reviews for for the book, measures of success, and and uh, it's showing me here on, um, you know, ninety five percent of those ratings are five star ratings. So okay, that feels good. That's nice. Um, that number might fluctuate a little bit over time, but the thing that that's I think most gratifying as an author, or it's not just reviews or a star rating, but it's the emails and 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 people. Show, you know, wanting to talk about you know, it, it's not just I liked the book and I enjoyed reading it, but we're actually applying these methods now in the organization and it's opening our eyes and instead of just reacting, we're actually doing something to shift performance upward and um, that, that's really exciting to hear about. It's people in different industries um, different countries um, I, I've exchanged emails with somebody who runs the Montreal region for uh, a major automaker and they were looking at their local customer service metrics and he shared a chart that showed yeah the number had been fluctuating we constantly reacted and tried explaining every up and down and they decided basically let's stop doing that let's react less let's invest that time instead in some initiatives that would improve customer satisfaction, and he showed me the chart. Well, sure enough, it made a jump upward, and that jump was big enough where you could look and say, well, that's not just fluctuation. They've actually improved customer service. So things like that um, are re- always really exciting to hear.
1: And in an age where you know there's a growing online economy, um, mm-hmm online presence, the brick-and-mortar stores in many cases have been replaced um, or are in the process of being replaced. Is this something that you feel uh, managers will look to more as a way to kind of gauge how things are going?
2: Yeah, and you, know, you can gauge you know, the, the, whatever your important measures are. You know so there's this idea of you know measure what matters mm-hmm. and then figure out how do we manage um, the system, how do we manage our business. So you know you could look at and I've, I've, my, my wife and I, seven years ago were thinking about buying um, kind of a small local business in in Texas. We took the monthly revenue for that business and I put it into a process behavior chart because I wanted to see how much does revenue fluctuate. Um, it, it was it was basically just you know fluctuating around an average, and when you look at that and and, and see how it fluctuates and, and what that calculated lower limit was, well now you could start making some assumptions. Well, we sales are probably not going to ever fall below this number. Can we make the rent and payroll off of that number? There there, there are some ways you can use these charts to help predict future performance if it's indeed just fluctuating. And then one of the things we would have done was try to improve the business, of course. So we would have done things to try to increase sales, um, increase repeat business and customer loyalty. And um, we would have used that process behavior chart to look for a statistically significant increase in revenue. And for a lot of reasons, we ended up not not buying the business. But, you know, I I think it was more than um, just, uh, you know, I think charts like this would have been, really helpful in that as they've proven helpful in other businesses I've been involved with. Um, A software company called Kinexus that I've been coaching on methods like these. Um, The CEO and the marketing director have learned basically to stop reacting to every up and down in their numbers and um, invest that time in improving the results instead of just reacting and trying to explain them.
1: My own curiosity here if you don't mind what yeah. type of business was that?
2: Uh, it was a local wine bar, so hmm. it was um, you know uh, a very customer service oriented, uh, re- you know, a different type of retail establishment in right. Texas.
1: Hmm. Measures of success react less, lead better, improve more. That's the title of the book. Mark Grayban, kind with his time, he's our guest this hour of our program on the fan. He's uh, shared an awful lot with us. Mark Grayban. M a r k g r a b a n. That's all. This one word. dot com is a website. It's a lot of information there. Mark does a lot of uh, speaking, literally around the country, and he shared an awful lot with us in this discussion. I want to thank you for being so kind with your time. Certainly wish you the best with this book and your future ventures. Thank you, Bob. We are going to pause for our top of the hour update. We've got another guest joining us here on the fan.